Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you guys about landlording strategies. You know, I watch, I'm a member of a lot of different Facebook groups, communities and whatnot, and I see people taking different approaches as far as uh, their strategies. And some people don't even have a strategy with landlord. They're kind of just shooting in the dark. They really don't understand the process of landlording. And whether you choose to hire a property manager or not is completely your decision. I recommend it. However, regardless of whether you hire a property manager, you need to have some landlording strategies in place as a property owner. Now, these are some of the things, this is actually, we cover this in great detail with our coaching clients. Uh, We want them to be prepared to be landlords, and it's a process. It is absolutely a process. And landlording can be a rewarding experience, or it can be an absolute train wreck, nightmare, insert, colorful phrase here, depending on your mindset. And I know I say that a lot, and a lot of you are probably rolling your eyes. Oh, he's back on the mindset thing again. Well, I'm here to tell you, mindset is very important especially when you are dealing with your customers. And yes, I said your customers. If you are a landlord, you're a buy and hold investor and you are renting property to another person, they are your customer. That is the very first and most important thing that you have to get your head around is that your tenants are your customers and you should treat them accordingly. Now, why do I say that? A lot of times, I well, I can tell you, when we've been doing rehab projects in the past, I've had contractors that say, well, I, I ask them, like, well, that's kind of a lousy paint job. What's up with that? Well, it's just a, a tenant's going to live here. I said, do you own a house or do you rent a house? And usually the answer is, well, I rent. Okay. And how do you feel when you walk into a property and see a lousy paint job? What does it tell you about the owner of the property? Well, it tells me they don't care. Good. Well, here's the news, buddy. I do care. So go ahead and uh, repaint this property, and then I'm going to pay you. It drives me crazy when they do that. But in America, we have this mindset that tenants are evil. Tenants are a bad thing. Tenants are dirtbags. I can go on and on and on. Well, I guess if you have that mindset, then I'm here to tell you, you are going to have a very difficult time as a landlord. A very, very difficult time. Yes, people are going to destroy your properties. They are going to steal from you. They're going to move out in the middle of the night. They're going to burn your property to the ground. And at the end of the day, when all this happens, you can blame yourself 100% for these things happening. Now, I'm not going to say and try to convince you that your all tenants, if you treat them well, will treat you well. Yeah, there's always, of course, a few bad apples on every tree. However, you get more bees with honey. And that comes down to, it all starts with your mindset and how you treat your tenants. 
if you are fair with them, of course, a lot of this has to do with screening, but if you appropriately screen your tenants and you are fair with them, in most cases, I truly believe that they will be fair with you. Now, if you try to take advantage or you try to be dirty and you act like a scumbag, well, then you're probably going to experience some problems. And I guess I would kind of have to say you deserve it. I believe, and the people on my team believe, my property managers believe, that it is our responsibility to provide clean, safe, affordable housing to those in need when it matters most. I'm going to say that again. It is our responsibility to provide clean, safe, affordable housing. You got to convince yourself of this. You can't go into real estate investing with the mindset of a slumlord. That's never going to work. You are going to have a myriad of problems. It is going to be very stressful and you are going to lose tens of thousands of dollars. I'm here to tell you if you are acting like a slumlord, don't go there. Don't do it. If that's the type of mentality, if you cannot shake yourself of that slumlord mentality, do landlords everywhere a favor and please stay out. Go rent warehouses or something else. Go play the stock market. There's no room for scumbags. There's a lot of them in the real estate business, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you treat people well, you provide value in the marketplace, then it will come back to you tenfold. We've done this time and time again with our rental properties. Every time we, we Jill and I acquire a new piece of rental property, first thing we do is move all the garbage and junk out. We clean it up nice. Jill calls the landscapers. She rolls up her sleeve. She gets out there with the landscapers, sets up a landscaping plan that makes sense, that is Easy to manage, but still pops when you drive by. When people drive by our properties, they go, wow, nice, very nice. Well, what do you think the tenant thinks every time they come home from work? They're proud to live at our place. Any property that we own, our tenants, and you can ask them, our tenants are proud to live where they live. They take mental ownership of the property. And when they take mental ownership of the property, it stays in the condition that it was when they moved in. Think about that for a second. If you give somebody a brand new car, there's a decent chance if you screen the person that you provided the car to, that they will take reasonable care of it. Here's a perfect analogy of, and a comparison of how I believe this is factual. Look at a rental car and look at the different types of people. I'm a people watcher. I'll sit at the airport and, and, and just kind of look and watch people sometimes just to see what, different mannerisms they are. That's how I learned about people. I've always been a student of people, but you go to the airport and you go there on, on a, let's say on a Friday and you see three or two different people running a car. Now you see one guy show up. He's kind of a train wreck, cigarette hanging out of his mouth, obnoxious, thinking of the car as simply a tool. He takes the insurance. He jumps in the car that's clean as a whistle, drives away for the weekend. The other person shows up She's neat, tidy, put together. You can tell she's squared away. Maybe a corporate titan type or something like that. Takes personal responsibility for her appearance. Not necessarily because she's a woman, just because she's a good person. The type of person that you can look at and say, yeah, she's going places, or she's a squared away person. And this is no different when you're screening tenants for a place to, a place to rent. Come Sunday night, both cars come back. The guy with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth has got 
probably six different cheeseburger wrappers in the back seat, a bunch of empty beer cans rolling around in the back seat. The car smells like God knows what, not to mention cigarette burns in the seat. You can pretty much tell when people walk up, you spend a few minutes with somebody, you can get a general idea of how they're going to treat your place. Think about that when you're renting places out. One of the things that Jill and I do in our floor properties is while I'm talking to the tenants or the prospective tenants, Jill will go out in the parking lot and take a look at their car. No, we're not opening doors and, and all that, but we will walk by and look at the cleanliness of their car. If their car is a train wreck, there's a pretty good chance that their home will be too. If there's Burger King wrappers and garbage everywhere, that's a pretty good indication that they're not going to keep a clean house probably not the type of tenant that I'm going to want in my property. So I'm going to take a big pass on that. Getting back to mindset. And I know that some of you are probably going to say you're passing judgment. You're profiling. It's not their fault. They're victims. Garbage. I don't need victims as my tenants. I need good people as my tenants. Victims can live somewhere else. That's a fact. I provide value to the marketplace. That's what our company does. We provide value to the marketplace. We don't believe in there's a us versus them. We don't use the word they. That's not in our mentality. It's us. We're a team. Tenants are a team. We work together towards a common goal. People want a place to be proud of that's affordable, where they can live and enjoy life. There's enough grief going on in the world. To spend 15 minutes on Facebook, you can see all the grief you want. Watch CNN. There's enough grief there to choke a horse. And when people come home, they deserve a clean, safe, affordable place to live. Now, I'm not saying that you need to provide them the Taj Mahal for 200 bucks a month because I do believe that everything's relative. If you pay $600 a month for rent, you're going to get one product. If you pay $800 a month for rent, you're going to get a different product. You pay $1,500 a month for rent, you'll get a far different product. The bottom line is, Whichever price point you are in, you as a landlord have a responsibility to provide that clean, safe, affordable housing. When somebody moves in, or moves out rather, do what they call a trash out. I don't care if you're renting a high-end property or a low-end property, but all the garbage and debris should be removed. The yard should be properly maintained. The sidewalks and whatnot should be pressure washed and cleaned. You should clean that place and have it look like it is your responsibility, and I firmly believe this, it should look like acceptable for your mother to live there or one of your children to live there. If you're my age and you've got adult children, you want to make it nice. First of all, you're going to attract a quality tenant because they're going to appreciate a nice place to live. They're not going to want to negotiate on the rent because they can obviously see that you took the extra steps to make sure the property's looking good. Some of you are going to giggle when I say this, but it is the absolute truth. Every time a tenant moves out, Go buy a new toilet seat, a nice, fresh, clean toilet seat, and replace the toilet seat. The bathroom should be sparkling. There should be no mold in the tub. There should be no yuck anywhere. You should not have hair and all this other garbage. Or, you know, the, the wall should not be banged up. Put a coat of paint on the property. Clean it up nice. These are things that you're. when you do these things, you will find yourself attracting a much higher quality tenant. Additionally, if something did go wrong, then you use the, the Larry Harbolt method, which I fully endorse and I do myself, recording video 
of the property and photographs before you rent it out. The last thing you want is to stand in court when a tenant does go awry, because it does happen. And you're in court, and the judge is looking at your dumpy place. And you're up there playing the victim card. Well, I don't think the judge is going to side with you. If it looks like a rat hole in the video, you're not providing clean, safe, affordable housing. You get labeled as a slumlord, because you are. Do you really think the judge is going to work in your favor? Probably not you're probably going to get spanked by the legal system. It's not going to work out for you. So think about these things in the back of your head and get in that mindset of, I have a responsibility to provide these people clean, safe, affordable housing, to provide these tenants clean, safe, affordable housing. See, I even did it there. I said these. That's the same as they. These are people. They deserve that clean, safe, affordable housing. Let's make sure that we provide it to them. Pricing of rents and amenities is the next topic I want to cover. Market research, critical. Now, there are, are websites out there, like one of them is called uh, Rentometer. Rentometer is a decent site, but it does, it all it really shows you, if you really look down to what the results are showing, not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with it, but it should be one of the methods you use. It's a quick test method, if, if, if anything. It shows you what's been advertised for. In other words, if somebody's asking 600 a month, it doesn't say that they got 600 a month. It said that's what the ad says, that it was $600 a month. One little strategy I've talked about in previous episodes, I want to talk about it again, is doing the market research by calling the old advertisements on Craigslist and Backpage and things like that, or in the newspaper. Call the older ads. Grab a newspaper from a few weeks ago if you guys still get a newspaper. I do. But uh, I'm, you know, I know realize that not everybody does. But go back and look at old ads, old ads on Craigslist that are maybe a couple weeks old. Call those landlords, have a discussion with them. You'll learn a lot about the neighborhood where your rental is, and more importantly, you're going to ask them. I see it was rented for six. It was you're asking six hundred. Did you get six hundred? Yes. Did you have trouble renting at six hundred? No, I didn't. Rented it right away. Okay, good. Another strategy that I use, and Jill and I do this on a regular basis in our market, is to tour the rental properties. You see a rental property up for rent. What I've done in the past is I'll call the property manager or call the landlord and say, hey, the next time you have a showing for another tenant, would you do me a favor and let me know when that is? Because I would love to drop by and take a look. I don't want to pretend that I'm a tenant and waste their time because I'm not going to rent the property. I'm always honest with them and say, you know, I'm also a landlord and I like to look at what rentals are available in the market. Would you mind if I drop by and look in the window or... Would you call me the next time you're going out there to show the property? I would love to drop by and peek my head in the door if that's okay with you. I've really never had anybody say no. Now, granted, sometimes they don't call, uh, and that's fine. I understand that. Uh, don't expect them to call in every single case. People forget. People are busy. It happens. Bottom line is, though, it's probably 75% of the time those property managers will call me back, and I get to go look at the property, and I'm looking for different amenities and seeing what the, what the competition, so to speak, is offering. And usually my takeaway is, is that we provide a far superior product to anything else that's on the marketplace. So that's great. It reassures me that we're doing a good job. And these are things that I look at when I'm acquiring a property is what am I going to have to do to make this rent ready by our standards? Now, considering that we provide a much better product to our, our customers, we're going to have more initial, higher initial costs to make it rent ready. Now, every time I go look at a property, I just had this happen recently in a little duplex. I, the, the landlord says, well, oops, see, this one's rent ready. I said, I, okay. 
well, you don't sound convinced. I'm like, well, there was a lot. We provide a little different product to our clients. He says, your clients? He said, what are you going to do, flip this? I said, no, 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 no. My tenants are my clients. He, he was puzzled. He didn't get it. He didn't understand. But they're tenants. You just stuff them in the property, and they'll pay. They got no place else to go. There's a shortage of rental properties, and that's exactly the mindset I'm talking about. Storage facilities. If your, your property has the room, you may want to look into putting a small storage shed outside and charging extra on the rent or offering it to the tenant as an added bonus. Now, this is what we've done here. We've got a pretty decent-sized shed here on the property that we let the tenants use if they want to, and that's a additional cost if they want to do it. Some take it, some don't. But what we've done is we've done the research by shopping in the neighborhood, the other storage facilities in the area, finding out what they charge for a given amount of space. For example, a 4 by 4 section around here costs about $60 a month in this marketplace. So I feel pretty comfortable that I could provide the same thing for 50 to $60 a month. And the reason being is that the convenience factor is that here, my tenant, my client, can walk right outside the door and be at their storage. They don't have to get in a car and drive across town. That's a big factor. Cable and Wi-Fi. Now, I just did an episode, or an episode just aired that I did a few months ago with my buddy Reed Goosens. And if you go on the Cashflow Guys community, if you go on the Cashflow Guys community, that's going to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. You can listen to that episode uh, or go to RSN Property Group, which is Reed's website, and you can listen to it there. We talked about, uh, I was explaining to him about the cable companies providing potentially cable and Wi-Fi. Now, in, in my in the Tampa Bay market, it's Bright House and all those. They really don't want to talk to you unless you've got bigger buildings. They don't want my smaller stuff. But up in Memphis, we can provide that, that opportunity where we provide the Wi-Fi and the and the cable, and let's say if it costs us $200 a month for a commercial account, I've got 10 apartments in, in one of the buildings, and I charge each building $40 a month. Now I'm making $400 a month with a cost of 200 so I increase my cash flow by $200. So I get to double my money. So think about things like this, and it doesn't work in all markets. It doesn't work with all properties, but at least get on the phone and, and find out do you qualify for a discount? Can you get cable and Wi-Fi in a company name? If so, how much can it be put at multiple properties? This is one of the reasons why I enjoy multifamily property because I can take advantage of these discounts, still pass a savings on to my tenant client, and everybody wins. Little things make a big difference when we're getting a property ready for a rent ready. Side-by-side -side refrigerators and flat-top stoves, glass-top stoves. Now, the, so a lot of the landlords, you will hear them say, I'm not giving those people a, a, a fancy stove or a side-by-side -side refrigerator because they'll tear it up. Well, if that's your mindset, and that is exactly the type of tenant that you're going to attract. And if you attract that kind of tenant and you allow them into your place and you treat them like a piece of garbage, then you're going to get the results that you're looking for. I guarantee you that. However, going back to mindset, if you treat tenants like your customers, because they are your customers. And you convince yourself that is your mindset, that these are your customers and you're going to provide them that clean, safe, affordable housing. Then you go out and you get the side-by-side -side refrigerator because that's what people have in the homes they live in, generally. And the flat-top stoves are something that people buy for a home they generally live in. 
when the tenant begins to take ownership of the property because you've provided them with the amenities that give them mental ownership, statistically speaking, and based on my experience, they will take much better care of your property. Now, as always, I say it's, it's critical to make sure that you start the relationship off on the right foot. In other words, tenant checks. For, this is, I hear this all the time. I know landlords that make money off their tenant checks. It's a profit center for them. They charge $60, $75, a $100 for a tenant check. And they check everybody that will give an application, or at least they take the applications. And some of these scumbags will put the application fee in their pocket and then say no to the tenant. Now, these poor people are shelling out $60 in hopes of getting this place. The landlord's pocketing the 60 bucks, not even doing a background check and just saying, sorry, you didn't qualify. That's garbage. That's ridiculous, and they should be ashamed of themselves. But... It happens and it's beyond my control. Don't fall into that trap. It's easy to, to, to do. It's, the problem is it's too easy to do that because people are naturally trusting. So be different. I do, however, require that my tenants, I do require them to pay for their tenant check. However, I have a conversation that goes something like this. Hey, you know, it seems like we'd be a great, you guys would be a great fit for our property. We'd, we'd love to have you. However, I'm very focused on making sure that I provide a, an outstanding experience for my, my other tenant clients or my other customers here at the property. And because of that, we perform, we perform a full background criminal credit check on all prospective tenants. Now, with that said, I ask, and we're starting a relationship here, I ask that you be completely upfront and honest with me. If you've been, if, if you've been convicted of a felony or any crime or, or things like that, if you've had a drug problem in the past, a DUI, alcohol-related issues, whatever, now is the time to have, a, have that conversation with me so I'm clear. I'm not saying that I'm going to disqualify you from the, prop, from the property because of it, but if I know about it and we discuss it, I believe everybody deserves a second chance. Second thing is, if you've ever had an eviction, then I cannot under any circumstances allow you to live here. I hope you understand that. Now, there is a $60 application fee. That is for a nationwide background and criminal check and credit check. Please understand that if I do find there any undisclosed criminal activity, keyword being undisclosed criminal activity, keywords I should say, or if I find out that you have been evicted from a previous property, then I cannot let you live here. So before you write the check for the tenant check, that $60 check, tell me now. Because if these things come back, I'm going to find out about them and I'm going to decline your application and you are going to be out $60. Understand that I said a lot of people, when I have this conversation with, with uh, probably 15% of the people I have this conversation with, they still insist on lying about it. They don't think we're going to find it. They pay the $60. They, it comes back. I have to have the conversation with them again. I'm sorry, but, you know, can't help you. That's going to happen. However, what I do also tell them is that I, when you write out the check or the fill out the application, that goes directly to the tenant check company. I only turn in one of those at a time. I pick the most qualified tenant. I turn that one into the tenant check company. If for some reason that that tenant is not, does not work, is not acceptable, then we will go on to the next one. But we are not in a business of charging people to check their background and, and finding out, airing their dirty laundry so that we can make profit. That's not acceptable. When you start out that way of having a conversation or having a uh, meeting with them where you are ethical and honest and upfront, it sends a message. And people that are also upfront and ethical will appreciate that. And I feel it leads to a better 
landlord-tenant relationship. If you are acting like a shady landlord from day one, then they are not going to trust you, and there's a pretty good chance that you're not worthy of that trust, and they're going to take advantage at some point down the road. So think about these things. Lastly, before we wrap up today, I want to talk about not negotiating the rent. Don't get into a position to where you, have to, you feel you need to negotiate the rent. As I say in any negotiation, it needs to be win-win or no deal, or any opportunity needs to be win-win or no deal. Provide value and be okay with the rent that you're charging. Don't get in a position to where you're desperate. If you're having a hard time finding tenants, that tells me that your place is a dump or you're charging too much. Do your research. It's not the tenant's fault if you overpaid it, overpaid for the property. Do your math, and the math will tell you what to do. But the minute you get into negotiations about your rent, you're starting to lose ground with that tenant. A couple key points I want to talk about. Make sure that you buy properties where people want to live, not where they have to live. This especially rings true with single-family properties. Buy properties where people want to live, not where they have to live. This is something I've learned time and time again. Every time I go to one of Larry Harbolt's or, or somebody else's training, I hear this over and over again, and it could not be more true. Larry talks about this in his seller financing course, which, by the way, is coming up in September. If you have not attended that seminar, I highly recommend that you attend that seminar. I go every single time it's, it's up. Also, buy near quality schools, especially when you're a tenant. You should know your tenant when you're out buying property. Know who you are serving. Buy properties if you're catering to small families or large families where there are quality schools. One bed versus two or three bedrooms. And this comes down to knowing your tenant. Knowing how a unit mix will affect you and, and the, the performance of different personality types. In other words, in some markets, one-bedroom apartments are not going to perform well. Those are usually single people in most cases. And if there's no school or a large employer nearby where a single person would require a one-bedroom, you may have difficulty keeping it rented. In favor of a two-bedroom, where two bedrooms generally are the status quo and multifamily, you'll see two and three bedrooms. Though the two bedrooms are the most common, therefore the, they stay rented more often. So less lower vacancy loss. So before you jump into a place that a multifamily property that has a one bedroom, it would be important for you to first do your market research. And we'll talk about that in future episodes, market analysis, market research, understanding where you are buying. But those one bedrooms, they could potentially be a, a pitfall. Not always. If they're close to a hospital, a lot of times they can be a home run. Lots of doctors, nurses, whatever, they're single people needing to stay uh, for short periods of time. There's all kinds of things, reasons why near universities, things like that, students who want a one-bedroom, they could be a gold mine. However, you have to understand the neighborhood and where you're at. Prepare your properties. The last thing I want to leave off with is to prepare your properties for a good experience, a good experience with the tenant. You want them to feel good about where they live. Now, if you are one of those bottom feeders that's out there flipping lease options, that drives me crazy. You, you, you get some seller to lease option their house to you and then you turn around and market up ten thousand dollars and lease option it to somebody else and all you're doing is making ten thousand dollars and you're not providing anybody any value shame on you if you're not providing a clean product a clean house that is in good repair and shows well a place your mother would be proud to live then you need to rethink your strategy because you're going to have trouble moving forward guaranteed you're going to have trouble that's all I have for you folks today. I do appreciate you taking the time to spend 30 minutes with me and listen to this subject talking about landlording strategies. 
As a reminder, if you ever want to get a 30-minute free consultation with me, you're stuck. You just need to kick in the short pants trying to figure out what strategy works best for you, whether you want a wholesale, whatever, and you just need pointing in the right direction, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. Of course, if you're interested in our coaching program, my coaching program, cashflowguys.com forward slash coach. You want to get on my mailing list where I'm going to send out instructional videos talking about different topics, screen shares, the whole nine yards, and everything that we put out. If you're interested in that information, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash register cashflowguys.com forward slash register that gets you on my mailing list i will not send you a bunch of garbage uh what we will send you is actionable things that learning you'll get my blog posts my videos podcast episodes all that will come in your inbox so have a great day and we will talk to you next week this concludes today's episode you don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.